This is a Rooster Teeth production. Everyone knows the classic movie monsters that have permeated pop culture for decades. As famous as they are, what might be lesser known are the true stories that influence the creatures you know. Today, we discuss the origins of Dracula, Wolfman, and Gillman as we dive into three famous movie cryptids. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to Red Web. It's a Mystery Monday, so you know we gotta uncover something else. I'm Trevor Collins. With me, as always, Alfredo Diaz. Oh, dang, we're doing it. We're diving in. Uh, I believe I suggested this one like mm-hmm. in the middle of a pod, uh, one of our episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so now we have an official excuse to call ourselves officially official, a movie podcast about mysteries. Go ahead and double stamp official on mm-hmm. that. Triple stamp it. This is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So this is just Task Force. If, if this is your first episode of Red Web, this is a little bit different than our normal hoopla, where we walk through a new mystery every single week, mm-hmm. and Fredo reacts to it. This one is a good excuse for us to get ready for the October season, uh, because we are doing a whole month on ghosts it is and hauntings. Here. Spooky season right around the corner. Yeah. Grab your pumpkin spice lattes. Mm, I almost got one this morning, just, to, just to dust it off, you know? I, but I'm not super into it. Personally. I've maybe had one in a decade. Yeah, that's 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 enough oh, yeah, for okay. me. All right, uh, it's not bad. It's just not my preferred. But yeah, so today Fredo and I are diving in together, kind of going into this blind, learning about the actual stories that inspired these three well-known. I mean, Gilman maybe a little less so, but Wolfman yeah, and Dracula probably S tier. Everyone knows right. or have heard of them. So let's dive into that. But before we do, I'm super stoked on this. Today, we just filmed it, but it's coming out for you, Task Force, this week, September 22nd. Buckle up. Case Files, a new show from Red Web on our YouTube channel and on the Rooster Teeth app, where we get hands-on with the cases that we discuss on this podcast. It's a variety, so every week we do something different. Uh, Sometimes we discuss fan theories. What else we got? Sometimes we're... um Testing out equipment that we use on yeah. the field. Um, other times, maybe we want to figure out what Bigfoot would smell like, hypothetically. Absolutely. You know, so it's we're going to be tackling a whole bunch of different things. We always said on this show, mm-hmm. the more you support us, the more we can do. Yes. And this is just as much as tangible as that can be possible. Right. Of like, boom, you know, we got a little set. We got multiple cameras. We got a squonk. We're, there, there is I don't a, know why there, we both went into that. There, there, is, there, is, there, is, there, is, there is a squonk. Yeah, we both dove into that vo- voice head first. Um, but it's just, you know, it's an, it's another thing mm-hmm. on top of the, you know, podcast that we already do. Absolutely. Um, so you guys wanted more Red Web. You showed your support and uh, we're bringing more. You came out, Task Force. You showed up. So thank you very much. And with that, we have eight fantastic episodes ready for you. We're going to do an eight-week run. I think we're going to keep the show seasonal for now, unlike this show. Right. Uh, but again, depending on how things go, we want to keep expanding this Red Web universe. Yeah. So maybe it'll become weekly at some point. I don't know. But we're starting out with fan theories as submitted by you. We had some really good ones. So go ahead and put that in your calendars. This Thursday, September 22nd, every week after that for eight weeks total. Very excited. You're ready. Ooh, and then we got Ghost Month too. Oh man! All right. So, with that said, let's you and I together dive into the history and starting with Dracula, because uh, I think you know you and I might both know a little bit 
about these characters. Yeah, but I'm, I'm eager to dive into this with you, kind of the fresh. The character that inspired Count Chocula. Absolutely. Well, I think it's the other way around, but that's okay. Count Chocula came first, but... <clears throat> All right, <laughs> Dracula. The infamous Count Dracula has haunted books, shows, and movies that people have loved for years, if not centuries. Before Dracula and vampires, Romania and nearby regions like Transylvania have told legends of what they called the Strigoi, S-T-R-I-G-O-I. Strigoi were said to be undead creatures that returned to feed on the blood of the living. They slept during the day and could turn into animals such as dogs or birds. So you're already seeing the, the, the beginnings of something familiar. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of parallels here to what we know as like vampires as a whole, mm -hmm. blood suckers, blood sucking, nocturnal um, animaguses. You know, uh, but also there's a lot of deviations from what, like I know them as in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm sure in some movies this happens, but I've known them just to change into vampires. I mean, uh, vampires <laughs> to change into vampires. It's time uh, to disguise uh, myself. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you just got real pale. Right. And, you, you know, it's huge <laughs> widow's now peak you for some big reason. Bangs. Yeah. Yeah, that's my disguise. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Bats, right? Yes. It's just like, that's the main thing. And I feel like majority of what, you know, when you see them, they are like bats. Sure, sometimes you see them as a wolf or what, you know. I've only ever seen them as bats. So it's interesting that we have the Strigoi here. Yeah. Kind of setting the scene as turning into birds and dogs. But I, I would say like, majority of the time it's like they turn into bats like mm -hmm. that's what they do there's there isn't like in the movie where it's like they could turn to any animal right so that's interesting to know that that's kind of where it's coming from and mm -hmm. at least initially from what you're telling me it's like these are undead that are yes. like back to life something so that had passed kind, away and come kind back. a little bit into the zombie-ish realm with yeah which some of the lore does go into that but when the point i'm trying to get at here is we're not like tying it right into at least initially right now into just uh dracula Vlad right Taylor, right right an individual right it's not like this individual that spawned all of these like right. it's just like no like these are creatures it's that, an idea yeah. or something that exists yeah Pretty cool interestingly enough and now before i continue task force i want you to mentally unpack everything you know about vampires because, of course, we know some of those things, but catch this. With regards to Strigoi specifically, to ward them off, people ate lots of, you guessed it, garlic. And they even wore it and sometimes decorated their doors with it to ward this creature away. People who lived criminal lifestyles or had unorthodox burials could become Strigoi after death. So it was almost like a moral story to say, you know, live a straight-laced life, don't do wrong by others and also respect the dead and bury them properly or you might have this terror mm -hmm. on your hands they might return to seek vengeance or something that being said i think like if a vampire would try would try to attack us mm -hmm. right well i mean first they off, can try we we'd be We're set dude. we'd mm, be screwed um, I'm just going to let you know, I soaked all the drywall in garlic oil. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. The, the, the task force headquarters has a rank smell to it. <laughs> and if, if you were wondering, that's what it if has been. You were wondering been. why it's uh, drippy. Yeah. And then why it smells. But like, I feel like we'd be screwed because we wouldn't know, first off, what to do. And 
initial instinct would be to do things that we saw in the movies, right? Right. And it, like, it just imagines being like, well, you can't come in and didn't invite you. And then you just go, I don't care. I don't need an invite. Like, who told you that? Like, wait a minute. That's right. It was like, well, hold what on. They, what they bait wait. you? You know, you go to the door, you're like, oh my God, that's a vampire. And you're like, I'm not going to let you in. And then, then they, they just jump on you, bite you right in the neck. Right. Juices go flowing everywhere. Done. Mm hmm. I did like, just as a total aside, by the way, is of what we do in the shadows. Uh, Great show. Really leaning Great into some show. of those those tropes about vampires and yeah. having a good time with it. But all right, let's get back to it. The first documented case of a strigoi and of a vampire in general, right, occurred in a village in Croatia. Jur Grondo passed away in 1656, and he haunted the village for 16 years after his death. It was said that if Grondo knocked on your door, you'd be dead within days. Grondo's haunting ended after locals decided to team up against him and chopped his head off. Boom, done. Whoa. Yeah, that's enough to piss someone off to come back. 1656? That's not as far back as I would have guessed, but that's a heck of a time for a... It's far enough for me Folklore, to, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's far enough for a tale like this to exist. Yeah. You know, it's not something I think that would be like in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. It's like in that awkward lull where not much in history is happening. Yeah. Inventions kind of paused. Right. And so, you know, evil creatures of the night started creeping out. But uh, yeah, there's there are similar legends of vampiric beings happening all over the world akin to this story. But this is well known as the first of its kind. And it's so interesting how, I mean, yes, the head lop off is not a stake to the heart, but it's, it's so interesting to me how true to the origin the stories maintained to this day. Now, the character of Dracula seems to be loosely based on a Romanian prince from the 1400s, so earlier on oh, now, wow. Vlad Tepes, also known as Vlad the Impaler and Vlad Dracula. The original novel Dracula was written by Bram Stoker in 1897, and Stoker's notes don't mention Vlad the Impaler directly. Tepes was known for torturing, mutilating, mass murdering, disemboweling, decapitating, or boiling or skinning his victims alive. Not a great person by Jesus. any means. And while a very real person, his very heinous acts are what kind of attached him to this folklore to create this character right. we all know. Now, before I continue in my notes, I'm just kind of going off the cuff here. I've also heard of whether he did this individually and privately or he did this kind of secretly, I heard that he's also fed guests of his, the oh, blood God. of some of his victims, oh, and God. that's where imbibing the blood comes from with regards to Vlad Well, yeah, I can see how they ran crazy mm -hmm. with like the whole tying vampires to, you know, Vlad, Dracula, etc. Mm -hmm. The dude was insane as it was already. Now, my question is, why do they have to make such a heinous person so well known that he his name is known throughout the ages? Why couldn't they find like Daisy Flower Picker who leaves uh, a tulip in your door handle every night? Like it's why true. couldn't they make her well known for the for the oh, rest of time? Because then we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. You, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I they woke up to a tulip they, under my pillow. <laughs> they fancified as a really terrible person. That's true. I and, mean, I guess what sticks with you more than fear, right? Right. The most you know, primal exactly. of the emotions. And the Underworld trilogy. Oh, God, what a good movie. All right, would you, Lycan or Vampire? Anyway, let's move on. Amongst these gruesome punishments, though, his preferred method was, to his namesake, 
impalement by driving a wooden stake through the victim's bodies and leaving them to die of exposure. Vlad supposedly liked to dine among the bodies of his victims and would even dip his bread in their blood. So there it is. Oh my God. There it is. Now, in place of his father's title of Dracul, meaning the devil, Vlad adopted the name of Dracula, meaning son of the dragon. Tepish's horrifying behaviors and birthplace of Transylvania convinced many that Vlad Tepish may have inspired the tale of Dracula. Some historians disagree, but the similarities are very strong. I, I mean, the, the name mm -hmm. is, is historical actions. I think even being a prince, you know, Count Dracula is yeah. pretty commonly the title that you hear. I didn't know Dra you said Dracula was like a, like a dragon. Uh, yeah, say, so Dracula meaning son of the dragon and Dracul specifically just dropping the A mm -hmm. means the devil. Interesting. Yeah. Never, I never knew that. Yeah. I had heard of Dracul, but I never really knew the English kind of mm -hmm. translation of those. Stereotypical descriptions of Dracula and other vampires are a little bit different than kind of what we talked about with the Strigoi, but they are said to be a tall, old person, clean-shaven, and it was usually a masculine figure, huh. um, but it doesn't always have to be, clean-shaven, save for a long white mustache and clad in black from head to foot without a single speck of color about him anywhere, which is where you get the, the modern iteration, the black slicked back hair, mm -hmm. the gaunt pale the, the, the goth look the they usually goth have. Look, yeah. The modern version is the, the mm -hmm. Hot Topic look. The only thing different about that would then be the cape having that accent of red on the inside. Oh, I right. think that's just a bit of flair, but otherwise yeah. completely... Stylish. Yeah. Stylish Dracula, but otherwise completely desaturated, as it were. Now, Stoker's Dracula had, quote, a large, bushy Victorian mustache, dense, curly hair, bushy eyebrows, and peculiarly sharp white teeth, especially the canine teeth, which is where the fangs come in in the modern iteration. Now, Dracula's appearance wasn't the only contradictory trait to other vampire descriptions. Stoker's Dracula was able to walk in sunlight, unlike most modern depictions. Oh. So there are a few differences here, this one being a huge one. And then with regards to the story, the book itself, one of the characters in the book received a garlic bouquet to put on her door in order to prevent the arrival of Dracula and, and being kind of hunted. Now, Stoker's story introduced the idea of vampires being able to transform into bats, and so maybe that's what kind of popularized it there in the late 1800s. Really popularized a couple of things. Bats, bats and the fangs, right? The fangs, the maybe not the mustache, but rather the kind of gaunt pale nature mm -hmm. uh, of of Dracula but otherwise like the walking in sunlight kind of fell away I guess and the mustache just moved on with time yeah <laughs> just, like, not style. the style anymore wait um, if like they were putting rings of garlic on their door mm -hmm. who's to say Dracula couldn't just get a big stick to like lift it off and go away <laughs> he's just like 10 foot away right. with a pole going I'll, oh god I'll get you it depends what's the radius of that thing and then true my question is christian i don't know well, do why, we know this like I mean, when did the let the right ones in piece come into play like the invitation right was that kind of a hey garlic is kind of in tight supply or maybe only the wealthy can get it during these particular centuries so maybe that then became part of the story 
a good question. Let me see. But also as yeah. well, it's like, say I couldn't be close to it because of the radius of the garlic smell or whatever. It's like, hey, random stranger, you want to make a quick coin? Right. Can you just go grab that off real right, quick? Right, right. Take it with you. Get some garlic. Boom. Easy. Right. Like, Someone put my this neighbor. on my door. I don't door. steal. I mean, you I know? feel like you just pay someone. Right. Like, that you or do you do... That. Again, coming back to a more modern vampire thing, you make them your thrall. You make them your mind puppet and you right. enchant them to go yep. do your bidding on your yeah. behalf. So at this point, now there's only a few more notes to kind of uncover, but at this point we've got the Strigoi, which seems to be the folklore at the epicenter of this, right. this creature. And then you have the real life entity of Vlad the Impaler, and what a seems a lot of similarities. A lot of though. similarities. Now, what really seems to be getting laid down here. Now, uh, of course, many historians do have disagreements over these things, but when it comes to Bram Stoker's iteration, it seems like he's combined the two to base it more in the cultural feels of the people in the area of Eastern Europe, while also attaching some elements of a real individual who was infamous for his criminal behavior to create this very fearful entity that could then haunt the minds of now Western culture. And so you almost have two separate origins that merged thanks to Stoker's iteration. And that's where this is coming from. Because then uh, as Christian continues to kind of maybe look into the garlic and the uh, invitational piece with regards to the Strigoi, I mean, they also drank blood as we talked about and to embellish that piece of the story a little more, when they drank the blood of their victims, they would gain the energy of that person. And it's a practice now we commonly associate with vampires, like, which wasn't necessarily heavily a part of it, mm -hmm. but yeah, they gain the energy. It isn't just strictly to stay alive. Like that's the only source of food I can get, but I'm also trying to like, just suck your soul out kind of thing. Right. Like drain you of your uh, spiritual energy. energy. Your essence. Mm-hmm. So now we have the shape-shifting from the Strigoi, the blood-drinking, the garlic. Yeah, the Strigoi stuff Strigoi. Is, is insane because I've only known the origin of Dracula yeah. from Vlad. Right, same. Know more, more so the Strigoi. Yeah, that's so interesting to me. I love folklore, and so I love when I can find, uh, you know, an entity like this that I've never right. heard of that's so well-known. Yeah, so uh, with regards to the invitation, Christian, uh, what, what you got there? So the first thing that I was able to find is from a book in the 17th century it was published in 1645 it translates to on the beliefs of the greeks by leo alatius mm -hmm. apologies if i'm mispronouncing that but he was a, a greek scholar and a, a theologian and he was keeper of the vatican library but in this book he talks about the concept of once again apologies on pronunciation vrikolakas which is a Greek uh, folklore creature that is very, very similar to vampires. And it's in that book where he explains that Vrikolakas have the invitation aspect of their story. Yeah. is the first, supposedly, that I can find yeah. recorded mention, but it's sure. believed that it goes even further back. So I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. that, that's a pretty strong like anchor in time. And you also mentioned something that, that also kind of trickles around some vampiric stories which is the relationship to religion specifically oh, catholicism yeah. or christianity. Yeah, christianity and so now we have a scholar a greek scholar who's the keeper of the vatican library obviously the catholic library 
now writing about a creature very, very similar. Yeah, so that's also it, that's this, so interesting. It, it, I think it's what's fascinating about this is that it seems like a lot of it was pulled from different, like, different lores and different yeah. tales and stories, which is a but common, some are overlapping, com, right? Which some overlap, but it's it's a common practice. But this was done so long ago. Yeah, right. As as opposed to a little, a little bit more modern times, where people just go ah from this and then from this right. and then make this, but just like way back then, you know, they didn't have the internet social media right. but they're all talking about these similar creatures or something yeah like that. that's so interesting and like i i imagine that these creatures must have had an even darker eerier aura to them because now we're kind of normalized to the stereotypical traits that you know of a vampire right. you've seen it popularized in hollywood you know the fangs the flying the capes the, and the stake through the heart all that like so much more terrifying right we're yeah, all desensitized like, oh, we've seen the fangs. We yeah. see the blood. We're not seeing it in something that is with vampires, seeing it with monster movie like movie monsters, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And so like back then, like these these tales must have like shaken people to their core. Oh yeah. It's it reminds me of and that's kind of the end of Dracula here as we kind of move on to Gilman. But just to your point, like it reminds me of when I was a child, my cousin would make up scary stories about this entity that lived in the woods behind my old house. And Whoa. like as a kid, you don't really have a method for desensitizing yourself to that. You don't yeah. have a way to prove it or otherwise. And so you can now imagine something like this that we get to enjoy as entertainment. You can still be scared by it, of course, but you're a little bit more normalized to it. Whereas right. even just a century or two ago, people are telling these stories and it really can get under your skin and become a lifelong fear. And mm -hmm. I even think about like Pennywise when I was a kid, there was a summer where I was kind of scared to jump in the shower just because <laughs> I hadn't seen the movie yet, but my friend described the shower right. scene where the he scene. like starts coming mm -hmm. out of the shower heads and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, it's just, uh, and it, I just love that part of this is just kind of the suspension of disbelief and throwing your mind back into the past where this came from is, Ooh, that it's just, exactly what I wanted, which is getting ready for the holiday season of Halloween. Yep. Um, I, I think his background, again, I'll say this, I'll reiterate this, but it's so much more clouded than I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was going to be like, we focus on Vlad mm -hmm. and then there's a tale from this person or mm -hmm. from this part of the country, etc. But it's like, no, it's like different pieces pieced together yeah. in different areas. Yeah. I'm really glad, Christian, that you, you pulled up the invitation thing because like, that's that's an interesting part that that kind of comes out. I hadn't been thinking about that, but all right, let's move on now to Gilman. We'll kind of table Wolfman for a hot second. Now, Gilman, I know very little about. This this reminds yeah. me of like Shape of Water sort of entities, which not always so sinister. But let's dive in. Not as popular too. Not like, as popular. Really see him. I mean, if anything, the more popular version is like uh, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing yeah. or the uh the movie that we're going to refer to here the creature from the black lagoon i'm sure yes. many people have heard of that maybe not even have seen that it, it's just like when's the last time anyone's really talked about that or you seen a movie about it or like mm -hmm. a, now know. there's some catfish you know tangents we could take here oh as but i'll always, leave those on because the they're the most deadly <laughs> but i'll leave that on the table for now now the infamous creature known as gilman is reportedly inspired by legends of amphibious beings, which take many different shapes and forms. Of course, you even have mermaids and whatnot. But with regards to this, William Olland, the producer of the film, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, met with cinematographer 
Gabriel Figueroa at a party in 1941. Now, Figueroa told Allen about a Brazilian myth, half-human, half-fish being called the Yacaruna. A friend of Figueroa's was filming a documentary in the Amazon, the center, I feel like, of so many potential uh, myths and legends, so much left to be uncovered right. over there. I, I feel like if you're talking about, like, granted, the sea, mysteries galore. If you're yeah. talking about, like, what's the equivalent of that on land, Amazon. Oh, yeah. I mean, just factually, there are still species being discovered there yep. to this day. Yeah. So fascinating to me. I love that. But anyway, uh, they were filming a documentary in the Amazon on these creatures and reportedly disappeared during that production. The like Yak on while the, filming a documentary on this the, like the Yakaruna, they they some people disappeared. Interesting. Yeah, so they were there for filming that. Yes. I thought it would be like they're they're filming other stuff and then they saw that. No, I guess it was specifically to look into the Brazilian myth of this yeah. half human half fish. So that's so fascinating. So the Yakaruna is a god said to live deep in the waters in their own city, upside down from those on land. Now, you can start to anchor Whoa. this in European myths of like Atlantis and what, even Hollow Earth a little bit. Right. But yeah. this is said to be underwater. But upside And a mirrored version of what we've Whoa. got. Yeah. I, this is fascinating. Oh, I yeah. No, I have no, I, no clue. I'm off literally the deep end and I'm loving it. <laughs> Um, okay. So the Yakaruna can appear as people with misshapen feet and a backwards head or as a river dolphin. So basically, whether it was out of stoking fear, spreading warnings, or just what have you, they're anchoring this, this myth now in reality. Like if you see a river dolphin heading into the Amazon, you might be inclined to say that's not just a normal dolphin. That could be Yakaruna. And this could be to prevent kids from maybe going swimming in a very dangerous river. Interesting that's upside down. That's such a weird detail. Yeah. It I love exists, it though, because like it's so visual. Like you go deep underwater and under that, almost like gravity inverts. And so Right. The science behind it is fascinating. Yeah. Like they'd be swimming upside down. But there's more now that you have the backwards head and the misshapen feet when they appear as humanoid. So now you have not only are they upside down, but they have backwards, backwards attributes as well. Yeah. They have also been described as hairy beings with their heads turned backwards, sometimes riding what appears to be a black crocodile. And I have heard of none of this ever my entire life. Oh man, I have some photos, uh, very interesting photos. Not, okay, not photos, uh, art that depicts what this creature would look like if Whoa. seen. Obviously, as he takes this in task force at Red Web Pod, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the whole spread. If you want to see what we're talking about as well. They look like warriors a bit. Like yeah. They're, they're, like they're ready to for an engagement. Yeah. So they have these long, thin like ears, almost almost elvish, if you wanted to kind of describe yeah, it that I way. But see that. long and pointy fins coming off the forearms and biceps very muscular lean humanoid for sure webbing between the hands and toes you know but otherwise kind of like a very humanoid aquatic entity yeah it's what you think like gilman looks like yeah for sure um shape of water as you were saying earlier yeah. that type of feel now the yakaruna can transform it is said into handsome men and is also said to abduct female victims on land 
to become Yakaruna in the depths of the water, basically converting then human oh, so they women. Can, they can transform humans into them. Yeah. And Whoa. that transformation is said to be irreversible. And many disappearances in the area of Brazil are blamed on the Yakaruna, that people are being taken into the water and made to be a part of their civilization. This is very elaborate. Oh, yeah. Figueroa's recount of the Yakaruna legend inspired Allen to develop a movie with Universal. The creature from the Black Lagoon is most likely about the indigenous legends of the water people of the Amazon, the Yakaruna. So now you kind of know, if you've seen that movie, where this origin comes from. The creature in the film does not share the supernatural abilities of the Yakaruna, but there are a number of references to this very legend. Unfortunately, while this is a movie podcast about mysteries and this time cryptids, uh, I haven't seen this movie, at least not recent enough not. to no pull on it. I remember seeing the original The Mummy and Nosferatu and stuff like that at my uncle's place because he has a mm -hmm. large collection of, of old horror movies. So I'm sure I have seen it. Yeah. It's just not in my memory base. Man, I was excited for Universal to start the MonsterVerse. I know. That was I was like that's going to be so cool. Instant fumble. Like yeah. What do they it's say? Like a, fumble the, at the 99-yard line? Yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be like the dark universe. Man, that would have been so cool. It would have been it would have been sick, but yeah. yeah, they fumbled it hard. Well, maybe give them a a little like sabbatical and they'll come back to it. Right. But now for those of you like ourselves who haven't seen the movie, some of the references that are included in the film are like the set being on the Amazon River, Gilman's interest in Kay, the female protagonist of the film, resembles the Yakaruna's infatuation with human females, and Gilman abducted Kay and took her to his lair, which is a network of underground caves, again, very similar to the idea of aquatic right. cities underneath the water in the legend. So, not too much more to say about that. It is a more linear path between the folklore and the common known entity of Gilman versus Dracula. But I do like fascinating. I like that it was very straightforward. Yeah. And it, it doesn't like deviate too much. It's like this is the lore. This is what's been told for generations. And this is kind of just like what's be believed. You know what right. I mean? it it's it's more true to uh this one legend yeah. as opposed to maybe a few samples right, from a couple different like Dracula. places. Mm -hmm. But, less believable as an overall sure, like, you sure. know, creature. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like as opposed to like Dracula, who I think was probably a person that drank blood, right? If someone like yeah. Vlad, that's like maybe messing around with the blood a little bit. I like to dabble. Just dabbled in it. Yeah. And, and so like these fanciful stories were created off of off of those actions. Yeah. But with this, it's just I feel like this is very much like a tale. Like right. people this... went missing and no yeah. one can under like understand how or why. Yeah. And then they're like, well, it's because these creatures. This feels very much like a cautionary tale or a legend yes. that's passed down to say, listen, the waters here are dangerous because yeah. they are. They move fast, they're very deep, they're very broad. There's a lot of creatures in it that can just do you in, like crocodiles, alligators, whichever are more indigenous, I insects. don't know. Insects, piranha, snakes, the whole shebang. Hippopotamus, oh, I mean, they're probably, again, I don't know actually the, the zoological spread of the Amazon specifically, but these are all water creatures that could do you in, yeah. like lickety split. Yeah. So this is kind of like a cautionary tale to kids to not go trouncing around, but but you're right. I think there's something to the vampire. Like, there are people today that drink blood, not 
as their only source of sustenance, but because they are self-proclaimed vampires and it's just part of what they do as a group or their beliefs. Interesting. And so, yeah, so you can imagine in in a less science forward time where people knew a little less about the world, you might be inclined to see that as a, woo, what's going on there? That's terrifying. Let's tell a story about it. Hey everybody, it's Trevor here to talk to you directly about the stuff going on in Red Web. We just launched Red Web Case Files, a show that complements the podcast that you've all known and loved. It gets hands-on with the theories, with the spooky natural stuff that happens on social media, all the ghost videos that we can react to. We have a PowerPoint debate between the catfish and the owl. Which one is more scary? That is coming this week in particular. But this is the show where we get to uh, kind of engage with you all. You guys can send us stuff to react to, to respond to all that. And then we get to talk right back to you. It's just another way for us to interact with you, the task force who has shown so much support. So thank you all so much for coming out, rating this podcast five stars and doing all that good stuff. It means a lot, and it helps the show expand. That's why we're able to do this new show. So go subscribe, youtube.com slash redwebpod. Never miss an episode. And if you could do us a favor, or as uh, Harley Quinn would say, do us a flavor, hit that like button. It helps bolster us in that algorithm. We got to play the game so Red Web can surface, find more mystery lovers, and keep the train rolling. And with that said, I want to talk about a few sponsors for today. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. We're getting into the fall season, which means in Texas, at least, the temperatures are finally below 100 degrees. And it also means fresh fall flavors at HelloFresh. Ooh, the alliteration. They always have something new on the menu, and they've got something for everyone. So whether you're looking for that family-friendly meal kit, fit and wholesome, or even veggie recipes, their produce travels from the farm straight to your door in less than a week, keeping it nice and crispy. Man, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Right? Okay, well, fall is the chance, at least in my mind, to cozy up with some delicious sweets, put on that blanket, enjoy that crisp air. And right now, you can do all that with HelloFresh because they have limited edition kid-friendly baking kits. I use HelloFresh quite often because it helps me from going to the grocery store. I hate doing that. And so when all the meals come to my door, I can look like a chef. I follow the pictures. Delicious. I like the Mm -hmm. tortellini that I get. I I actually save the recipe so I can have it over and over again. But yeah, I enjoy making that. There's always some for leftovers, so you get to keep enjoying it. I've never been let down. They're always delicious. I completely agree with you. The fact that I don't need to step out of my house to have Mm -hmm. all this like cooked and ready to go. I'm just like, I could just make it myself. Totally fine. But I'm going to need you to calm down because all this talking about food is making me hungry. Hey, well, it's good that you're hungry because... You can go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb65 and use code RedWeb65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's again, 65% off with free shipping using code RedWeb65 at HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb65. This episode of RedWeb is also sponsored by Upside. Inflation is hitting all of us quite where it hurts, right in the pocketbooks, whether that's paying at the gas station or paying $20 to your friend, it all matters, this inflation business. But that's where Upside can step in a little bit and help you out. Upside is an app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out, because with every purchase, you can earn cash back. I've really enjoyed looking at this app because it's so intuitive to use. They have a map of all the locations that you can go to. And like I said, you can get cash back on all of your normal purchases. Everyone's got to eat. Everyone's got to get that gas on unless you want a bike. But 
Regardless, you can get that cash back on those everyday normal purchases and help soften the blow of that inflation. To use it, you just have to download the free Upside app, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, and then you can check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or a debit card, and you get cash back. It's fantastic. Download the free Upside app and use promo code REDWEB to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that's at least $5 cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code REDWEB. This episode of REDWEB is also sponsored by Celeritus, the wild new sci-fi thriller podcast. Task Force, do you like your sci-fi dark, gritty, and terrifyingly trippy? Of course you do. I heard all three of those check boxes. I, I, all of your pencils scraping across that paper. Celeritus is about the first test of light speed flight gone wrong when it hurls an astronaut deep into space and far into the future. There he begins a desperate interplanetary search for the remnants of the human race. This show isn't a cute, fun romp in the shiny spaceship that you might expect. No, 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 no. It's terrifying. Space is hard. Space wants to kill you. Our guy risks everything trying to figure out what happened to humanity while he's battling the very real challenges of radiation exposure, of bone loss, and fuel supplies, all as the isolation slowly drives him crazy. The sound design here is absolutely bananas. The production value is over the top. This is a headphone experience for sure. Celeritus is available on all major podcast platforms or straight from the source at embracetheemptiness.com. So again, check out Celeritus. Go to www.embracetheemptiness.com. Again, that's www.embracetheemptiness.com. And with that, let's dive right back into the mystery. Let's move on now to Wolfman. Ooh, lichens. Lichens. Lycanthropy. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up watching either Blade or Underworld tonight. Underworld was was you know one Those of my, my jams. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kid me had a big old crush. Adult me also has a crush. Let's just say <laughs> it. Uh, but let's talk about Wolfman. The myths and legends surrounding werewolves, like the Wolfman of the movies, go very far back in history, and it's unknown where the concept specifically originated. But regardless, we know that they exist to this day. Now, I've heard of lycanthropy, but there's also therianthropy, which is the ability to shapeshift from human to animal. Not necessarily specific around wolves or canines, but it's just a a more broad term. Interesting. Again, animals. Animorphs. Right. I mean, it's pretty (laughs) much. I mean, you you know, talk about, was that a Nick? Was it on Nick? I don't know. I don't uh, yeah, it was a book series, and I it might have been on Nickelodeon. There was a TV show. Yeah, but um, like, you're talking about Nick, our editor. I was like, what? He's not here. No, not Nick. No, Bot. no, no, not, not, Nick not Bot. the sentient AI right. that edits our Animorphs, episodes. Christian, educate yourself. <laughs> yeah, or, or, I, or date yourself. Unless you were, unless you were like me, and you got the books not to read, but to flip the pages and watch the yeah, transformation happen in the bottom yep, corner. Yeah. Um. But I mean, like this is again a little insane too, because I just know it from wolves right and you're telling me they can transform into what like a spider like a snake well this is how it started was with the idea that humans could transform into animals in general but in our our case yes uh, a wolf man in particular now since this shift is against the main character's will and without his knowledge they call it lycanthropy because it's an affliction 
you get affected by it in yeah. modern iterations you're bit now you have this virus or mm -hmm. what have you this curse and full moon hits, full moon hits. yep it all happens without your your say so or perhaps without even your knowledge what was it that had really good um prosthetic uh visual effects was it american werewolf in london yeah that one had good ones that was awesome then there's also the transformation looked great the made for tv disney movie where the kid goes to high school and becomes like a werewolf on the basketball team oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's a kid-friendly version yeah now lycanthropy can be found in the epic of gilgamesh written somewhere between 2100 and 1200 bce when a woman pursues gilgamesh after her lover turned into a wolf in greek mythology the legend of the lycaon L-Y-C-A-O-N, depicts Zeus turning people into wolves closer to what is found in Wolfman. So I'm basically laying the groundwork here of all the different points of origin that could exist. It's a common trend for people to turn into wolves throughout history and stories. I didn't realize it was that common. Yeah. Now, now we're bringing Zeus into the mix. Ze we're granted, Listen, like, when is Zeus not in the mix, man? This when is Zeus big... not um, making love and, right or becoming an animal right love. or sometimes doing both <laughs> becoming a swan right and then having hercules <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this one's a little bit more scattered um, yeah i would say even more so the dracula definitely yeah now i think this might help us center a little bit so in the 16th century the most famous quote werewolf now was a man named peter stube he's also sometimes called peter stump or not even anywhere close, Abel Griswold. In the town of Bedburg, Germany, farmers reported cattle mutilations for weeks and, of course, believed that wolves were the culprit. This is a good time to pause and remember the episode we did on the Skinwalker Ranch where cattle were being maimed and mutilated. Yeah. And, I mean, well, also even the Chupacabra. The, yeah. But, but there was one in particular where there was a wolf that was latched on to the face of a calf. And it got shot yeah, twice. Shot him twice. Before it just turned and walked off. That feels so much like what we're hearing here. Could have been a werewolf. Could have been a werewolf. But it's very similar to this 16th century story. That's so fascinating. Now, with regards to this 16th century story, later, children and young women disappeared overnight or even in the middle of town, causing panic and the belief that perhaps a werewolf was attacking the town of Bedburg. Now, as the story goes, a girl was being attacked by a wolf when suddenly a stampede of cattle came through. And in the process of being chased down by the town, the wolf lost its left paw. Now, in the midst of this chase, because I, it, this story feels very scattered, but in the midst of this chase, chasing this wolf out of town, the, the wolf lost its paw. They then found a wealthy local man named Peter Stube, who also happened to be missing his left hand. And so... They're thinking, okay, maybe this wolf that lost its paw in the chase turned back into a man to then play it off and be like, I'm just a guy. So it could be just a wild coincidence that stemmed the whole like wolves turning, absolutely, you know, uh, back into men or absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So now during trials against him, Stube confessed to all the attacks and claimed that the devil gave him a belt that would transform him into a wolf. A belt? A belt. Now, does the wolf have this belt on? But like, that's a, that's, I did not, I would never, I would never suspect like the origin 
of like how the transformation happens yeah. wasn't under a full moon. It was because of a belt. Became like an ability given to the person right. by the you devil just for a belt. Belt on. Yeah. Woo. Belt off. I'm good. Well, well, now here comes the problem. How do you undo it? When you're when you're a dog that doesn't yeah. have posable thumbs, you can't. <laughs> you can't get, I can't get this belt off. Now, question, Christian, just to really make sure we clarify this: this 16th century tale of Peter Stube was it fictional, like a book written, or is this, so to speak, a historical tale that then stemmed the folklore? Was this a real person that kind of? Yes, he was a real person, and we're gonna get into more details of okay. his story, but. It's one of those things, kind of, kind of like Vlad the Impaler, where yeah. the truth kind of informs the folklore. Okay, that's what I was thinking, but it started to get a little hairy there, where it's hard to separate fact from fiction, like what is embellished and what's not. But anyway, so Stube apparently confessed to these attacks. Now he's I'm like, sure I got they, a belt from the devil. I'm sure they torched him to confess. Right, right. Like, confess or you're basically guaranteed right. to be put to death or something. He reported as well that he often ate parts of his victims, but in reality, it is said Stube wore a pelt of a wolf when he committed these crimes. So he wasn't actually transforming into a wolf, but rather wearing the pelt of a wolf and enacting his, his heinous is. crimes. That makes more sense. Yeah. That's more realistic. Mm -hmm. As scattered as is, is, this seems like it could actually be like truly grounded. Right. Like it started as. Right. Like the werewolf. Yeah. Why, you know, the werewolf origin being a person that went around murdering people exactly. with a wolf pelt. That makes complete sense. Right. And like, then people just fantasize it. Right. Yeah. He turned into a wolf. Yeah. Like, but yeah, like maybe that was just his way to his motive. I'm just going to dress up as a wolf, enact these heinous crimes. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, other cases of werewolves during this time could have actually been like this. Just odd cases of serial killers either like Peter Stube dressing up as wolves to try to kind or of muddy the animal, waters like they talked about different animals or just like all of these things being now lumped in because Peter Stube's case became so fantastic like oh my god there's True. a wolf man maybe all of these murders happening in the area are all also, afflicted wolf people yeah they see bite marks on like a victim it's mm -hmm. like oh maybe there was that wolf I've heard about this wolf man right Right. And so, you know, in past episodes, we've talked about how the psychology of these stories can spread and you can have mass hysteria that spread these stories beyond fact. And we, we talked about that with Mothman being a potential theory. Moving on now, Pierre Burgo and Mikel Verden. In 1521, these two men allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment... Now, not a belt, an ointment. Oh, wow, okay, here we go. Yeah, they're lathering themselves up an ointment to turn themselves into wolves. They confessed to murdering several children and were burned to death at the stake. Burning was thought to be one of the few ways to kill a werewolf. Wow, this is before so silver the entered. silver yeah. bullets come into play. Yeah. What else is there aside from silver bullets? I think that's it. It's like that's silver it, right? it's just kind of and just... then it apparently burning. Is another way. Otherwise, I think maybe beheading them as a human. Right. Getting them while they're a normal person before they can like. Man, th this is like just this is different from what I expected. Belt to transform, maybe a 
a pelt, you know, that was wearing that, that someone wore. Now ointments that change them into like right, not even like necessarily wolves, right? I mean, at this point, wolves, but even before that, it was just creatures, animals in general. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool, like knowing some of the tales that spawn these uh, monsters. Yeah. Now we've talked now about a few people. There's another person still, a Frenchman, Giles Garnier, who had a very similar story. And according to a testimony from Garnier in the court, he was in the forest hunting for food for himself and his family when a specter, as his story goes, appeared to him. Specter being a ghost, just yeah. to, to be clear. Now, the specter offered him, again, an ointment that, when applied, would change him into the form of a wolf, making it easier to hunt. So now we have a less sinister oh. means. We, this guy's not out here trying to kill people. He's just, the devil came to a me in the form of a ghost. A more humble beginning. Right. Maybe it, that, you know, is a cursed ointment. It's just so funny. It's an ointment that turns me into a wolf. Yeah. I mean, you got to think. In the 1500s, that 16th century era, what is a common thing? Ointments are there to heal. True. Then you I have mean, belts and clothes. What else you got? Look, you what know? if it is... What if you are the seed that was planted that you would turn into a wolf? Hence, like you start getting the wolf pellets or uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're mm. wearing like wolf clothing, that kind of stuff, and the ointment just kind of drives you insane. Yeah, I mean that plays very well into this particular story because it is said that Garnier, under the effects of the ointment, murdered about four children. Jesus. Garnier was subsequently found guilty of, quote, crimes of lycanthropy and witchcraft and was then burned at the stake in 1574. Again, another way to, in their minds, officially kill this cursed entity, this, yeah. this curse, whatever this is, uh, this wolf person. Now, in more recent werewolf accounts, the violent state is often associated with the full moon. A study was conducted at Australia's Cavalry Mater Newcastle Hospital to find whether or not full moon brings out the, quote, beast in many humans. Now, the study found that of 91 violent acute behavior incidents at the hospital between August 2008 and July of 2009, 23% happened during a full moon. And this is per the History Channel. So... This, I think, is what has fed that part of the mystery and the tale being kind of merged in with the Wolfman. Now, not this ointment stuff, but it was getting conflated like under the full moon. That's where, okay, I'll just, this is where the, the archaic term lunatic comes from. Luna, lunar, being of the moon. And that oh. is why people would, in a sense lose their minds, lose their control. Right. And that's where the two kind of that more real side meets the fantastic Wolfman side. I think about and, that. and people lose then control under the full moon and then do enact. And then there's like, things. yeah, they, you know, they, they're doing violent actions and just to say they're not just turning into wolves. Yeah. And what have you. I mean, like the moon affects the tides and different mm -hmm. various things, you know, who's to say it doesn't know. Oh, I mean, it's research has shown that it can affect the... Oddly enough. Uh, yeah, the anatomy of a person, which is quite interesting. Now, the question is, to me, I mean, the moon's there every time, whether it's lit up or yeah, a new moon. Yeah, what is about the full moon? Yeah, is whether it's full waxing moon, or waning, you know, like... Full moon isn't necessarily closer to us, no. It's just more sun shines upon it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just not cloaked by the Earth's shadow. 
So to me, it almost makes sense that it's a preconceived thing. Like, yeah, I agree. Like a, uh, why am I, why am I thinking, what's the word where you like take a medicine that has no effect? Placebo? Pla yeah, like a placebo effect. Like yeah. if you are keyed in on that, maybe you right. are more inclined to do something. I mean, I see a full moon and then I, you know, cause I've heard about it. I start howling, it, dude. I, yeah. Right? <laughs> I just like, go for it. You know, I feel I you. I put my belt on. I slap <laughs> myself in ointments. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting whether you want to call it placebo effect or not. You're right. Studies have shown, even modern studies, a disproportionate amount happens under that full moon. I, I knew that that was going to come into play here. Talking right. about like uh, werewolves for sure. Now, with regards to this study and it being at a hospital, there were reports of patients attacking the staff, biting, uh, spitting, scratching yeah, them. Werewolf action. Kind of werewolf actions. Many of the violent patients were under the influence of drugs or alcohol, so it is worth knowing that. But it's unknown why the presence of the full moon evoked more violent behavior out of these individuals. Researchers have tried to explain this werewolf phenomenon by linking the behavior to medical conditions such as lycanthropy, food poisoning, hypertrichosis, which is a rare genetic disorder causing excessive hair growth. If you've ever seen on Ripley's Believe It or Not is one oh, way I've yeah. seen this, but people that have uh, full body hair, yeah, that's what that is. Uh, rabies, hallucinations, possibly caused by hallucinogenic herbs or some sort of paraphernalia like that. But all in all, it does seem that it is more of a modern idea to conflate the historic folklore of the Wolfman and in with this like moon entity. And even back then, it seems like it was just serial killings with, right. a, with a flare, you know? I, I agree. It's it's a goofier start than I thought yeah. werewolves would have. It, it started off being like, okay, this wolf like, you know, attacked this person and then we chased them down and there was a person missing a, a hand, which the wolf was missing a paw. But then right. we started, it just started spiraling into ointments and belts. And <laughs> ointments and belts. And yeah, that's so interesting to me. Like, you know, if nothing else, it's kind of a funny fact to, to share with people at, you know, tea time to be like, yeah, you know, this like one of the quintessential cryptids of our time, one of the like top tier Hollywood monsters yeah. of film. The Wolfman is kind of based on, in essence, a serial killer that may or may not have worn wolf pelts while committing crimes, who also happened to be missing a hand. Right. And was chased out of town by cattle. Or in some instances, it was two people who, like, Ooh. were under the influence of ointments. Yeah. But, I mean, that takes us up to today with regards to the Wolfman. But no theories to discuss, just the histories of these well-known cryptids and monsters. Right. And these are, like... These are monsters that everyone knows of. Yeah. And for some people, they've known for decades, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, to actually know kind of some of the lore behind it, not what I thought. No. Not, not whatsoever. Yeah. This was this was a good one for me to dive in. Normally, I try to pre-prepare and stuff. I really right. enjoyed diving into this one fresh with you because... It was just so interesting to hear some of these backstories. Mm -hmm. I feel like I knew maybe, I thought I knew a lot. I knew about 20% of this. I, I, knew, I knew none of this. And then, you know, so like, where did the, I guess like the silver came in from like oh, Hollywood. Yeah. Like, where, like, where does the silver come in? Yeah, for the Christian, before we close out, is there, you want to do a quick cursory glance and see if we can find out on that silver side? 
Because that's interesting. You know, that's where, you know, as these stories have, this is just my gut instinct after now hearing these. It feels like the invitational piece of Dracula and vampires was introduced later on. Almost, in, right. and I could guess that like, maybe garlic is hard to come by. Like there's a famine with regards to garlic. So for the sake of the story, people needed to add to it so people wouldn't freak out. And maybe... For me, I'm somewhat on that same yeah. like parallel. I think that they added these things to further like grow interest in their telling of the story. Oh, you yeah. know, Where it's like, oh, you've heard about werewolves before, but you've heard about werewolves what's and like how yeah. they don't like silver. Yeah. Like, what, what do you mean you don't like silver? It's like, oh, you, let me you tell shoot you, the werewolf with a silver bullet. Now, now I just think of it as like me sitting on my grandpa's knee. He's telling me a story because right. my grandpa was such a storyteller. Oh, that's awesome. And him adding this kind of stuff just to get the child to go yep. oh my god that's right. so cool and then it just kind of picked up and yeah. kept going you know fascinating that's what i think i think a lot of like the more modern details or details i would say is more modern because of were discussed mm -hmm. in these origins or potential origins is just people trying to like spice up the story yeah in their own way yeah or it could be like keep this lucky silver coin with you why uh, because right. and you just create some fantastic addition to it behind it and, and it, it just sticks I wonder what else is out there that basically was once part of these stories that is now gone it's just dropped off yeah like yeah. if you whisper its name backwards it, it disappears you know like true I mean it could have very well been something like that yeah. find the like the the name you know the the, the origin name of the werewolf yeah and say its name and yeah. then it'll turn back Mm. Anything popping up there, Christian? Quite a bit, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, there's a lot of theories about where the origin came from. You know, some people talk about... There's there's one thing I'm saying that says, silver is a metal associated with the moon, and because the moon controls <gasps> werewolves, there's some correlation there that may have led to where that... David, they, I did developed. not know that. that man, I learned so much today. I didn't know that either. Silver's associated with... I can't, it yeah, makes I sense because it's a very silver yeah, light that comes... Yeah. Like a very cold light that comes off of it. So maybe it's like a fear, like a primal fear embedded within the creature right. because of what it does to the person to get them there. It seems like a very popular potential origin was there was a animal back in the 18th century in 1767 called the beast of Gévaudan. It's a French name, so mm -hmm. I, I apologize. But it was a terror of an animal that, you know, terrorized the, the area. And there was a hunter who supposedly killed it with silver weapons. And that is what I'm seeing to be widely regarded as the first, like, uh, first, first mention of silver and wolves mm wolf adjacent creatures being touched on but apparently in recent memory the movie the wolfman was what popularized the actual silver bullet kills werewolves gotcha oh. like a hunter with a with flair right i mean i bet you that's what that hunter did right right or it's like oh i had all my weapons but now i got my nice set yeah and so it's got silver like on it this is my nice like hunting set right and they right. went out hunted with their like fancy set people are like whoa that's what you need yeah you need the silver i also think there's something to it where you're like you're making a movie you're telling a story about a wolf man you can't just be like yeah i went out back and shot it with my just 
off the rack shotgun. Like you have, oh, you almost have to embellish it. So maybe it was just an embellishment that stuck. I I agree. I love the moon then, because then it's like we'll shoot the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like oh, no, it has to be a silver bullet. Right. It That's can't like, be that easy. Well, it's like it's not impossible to come by. Right. It, it rides that that <laughs> middle you, line. You imagine a three minute film where the guy's like ah, ah, he transforms and then someone's at their home, you know, just watching prices right. The door comes busting in. He's like, oh my God, honey, a wolf. Movie over, credit rolls. <laughs> Dude, like, what the, the heck was I that? I think about that like every other movie I watch. I'm like, what if <laughs> <Like, laughs> he just didn't make that jump right there? Right. You know what I mean? Or movie like, just ends. Yeah. Ugh. Or maybe they just did stay in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go in there. Why are you following the, the entity that's beckoning you? Right. All that sort of stuff. That's one of my movies like that. After five minutes, it's like, it's haunted. All right. And How horror movies should go. Driving away. And it's yeah. Credits. That's awesome. All right. Well, that has been three top tier movie monsters. I mean, yeah. And their historical kind of the way up there. I mean, generations have known about these yeah. monsters. But movies, I'm sure. Books. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's some floating out there, Task Force. So as always, hit us up with those recommendations. If there's anything you want to hear us dive into, if there's any other information that we might have missed, let us know. Love to dive into oh, that. Oh, should do like foreign like movie monsters, like The Grudge and all that kind of stuff. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, that one. Ooh, that one's freaky. Okay, yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> just like kind of the origin of how uh, an entity like that can exist. But yeah. With that said, don't forget to mark your calendar. September 22nd, we got Red Web, The Case Files, a show on YouTube and the Rooster Teeth app coming to you. The first one, fan theories from your favorite episodes as submitted by you guys. We you guys dissect them and talk. You guys were on it for this one. Some things we didn't cover, some new information. Right. I want to go ahead and tease this. Somebody had some uh, anecdotal experiences that actually shined a brand new light on one of the cases, the mystery soda machine. So very eager for you all to hear about that one. Oh, and also September 22nd, just while you're here, we've got ourselves a red web coin. If you ever need to make a decision between two scary items, an owl and a catfish, we got a coin that you can flip and make that decision happen. But just so you know, there is one side is definitely more terrifying than the other. There's just no debate about it. Right. You have the to owl. pick a side because right. as as you know, when you flip a coin, it lands on one side. It doesn't just land straight right. up. So there's no like, whoa, I'm in the middle. Well, if you flip the coin and it lands on the side, you need to send us a video of that. <laughs> right. It just, okay, maybe you're in the middle then. Yeah. But look, <laughs> pick a side. Pick right? a side. But yeah. Otherwise, Fredo, I'll see you right back here next Monday for another mystery. Oh, no, I spilled my ointment. Oh! <laughs>